This is Talking Sea, your weekly supply of the dark side. Not just the dogmatic narrow view of the Jedi. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Roach. I am Casey Schreffler. And Sean Self. And we are Talking Sith. Talking Sith. Talking Sith. Today is May. May. It's a, it's <laughs> I mean, there's, it's a, there's, there's several days that are May. Well, there's a, there's a lot of May. But uh, and this this day in May, actually, nothing specific happened in Star Wars on this day of day in may although we could have had something today in may go down Obviously. by the bay and make things out of clay <laughs> make things out of clay in may by the bay. listen to what i say i'm allergic to hay and Josh, you're allergic to everything though. basically everything else that rhymes with hay and anything else you could say but uh no so may is pretty much star wars month we've got uh, the 20th anniversary of episode one this month the 17th anniversary of attack of the clones the 14th anniversary of revenge of the sith empire turns 39 this year this month and jedi turns 36 but older than, older than all of us older than all of us we're just we're some young snappers it's freaking crazy that phantom menace is 20 years ago though yeah, I didn't make that. Uh, I remember going to the Three Rivers uh, cinema. Was it Three Rivers Six? And then I remember getting when it actually came out on VHS. I remember my parents or my mom brought back uh, two VHSs. One was Phantom Menace. The other one was Perfect Storm, <laughs> which I was very excited about. <laughs> well, George Clooney, right? How oh, how yeah. did you guys each? So Sean, you went and saw it at the little uh, Three River Six. That's where you yeah. saw Phantom Menace. Yep. What about you, Case? Man, um, I would have seen it with you. With me? I don't, no, not with us. <laughs> no, really? No, because yeah, we would have no, been friends. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that was 99. We would have so been in like fifth 10. grade. We would have been in fifth grade when it came out. You so, meant nothing to us at this point. So I, went, so I, I, I would have went with, I went with my dad and, uh, and all of them. We would have went to what is now Celebration Cinema. United Artists is what yeah. it would have been called. Yeah. Yep. So you saw it with your with your pappy. Who'd you see it with, Sean? I think it was like my mom, stepdad, and then the whole family kind of went. Oh, sweet. It like, yeah. It's a outing. We, my family, we actually went camping out. Uh, I can't remember which campground we were at. I think it was South Haven. Uh, so out by Lake Michigan and... I remember I just bugged my family for like the first two, like two or three days of the weekend to go see the Phantom Menace. So they ended up taking me to, uh, like, I convinced the whole family, which you guys know my family pretty well. So imagine me convincing my mom and dad and my uh, sister. Eventually <laughs> gave in. Yes, and they eventually gave in. So we went and saw at this little, like, one screen movie theater in, uh, I think it was Coloma. So that was a. Uh, that was my first viewing, and I think I only saw episode one once in the theater. Did yeah. you guys see it multiple times no, back then? No, 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 no. I just saw it once. Yeah, no, that was that was before the time of of like m- multiple viewings. 
weren't really commonplace. Um, unless you were you know, old enough to and and had the money to to go to the theater. Yeah, yeah, I did not have that kind of money. I was getting like a five dollar a week allowance, <laughs> which I guess I could have seen it like once a week. But right, yeah, 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 I child yeah, labor I was, was. I was just thinking about that. Like, it just seems so unnatural for me to have only seen a Star Wars movie once in the theater now, and then we would have had to wait. Like, so, remember, it used to take forever for movies to come out on VHS. Yeah, like, it was like it was a minimum six months. Now it's like a month. At least, no man, it was even long. It seems like, and then the Star Wars movies always took even longer. Like George Lucas, like drug his feet. Probably a good marketing technique back then, but. Well, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the larger movies back then, especially if they released in, you know, late winter, early spring, into early summer, wanted to have a Christmas release so people would buy it. Like there, yeah. there was there wasn't a streaming option back then. You had to buy the movies if you wanted to watch them again, or go to your local blockbuster at the time. Or Family Video, which is still around. There's actually two in Finley. Yeah, there's, there's I think there's one blockbuster left up in it's Washington, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, it's you were Seattle. just there. Yeah, should have stopped by there. You should, you should, honestly, that'd have been cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a it's like a mecca for people. Like people should, travel should, around to go to go to blockbuster. You should have rented a movie on like a prepaid Visa gift card and kept it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was the Phantom Menace released on home video on April third, two thousand. So almost a year later. Holy God. no, no way. Yep. Yeah, it used to take like a year for stuff yeah. to come out on video. Yeah, you know what? That makes that on makes VHS. Sense. Probably because it, it took forever to actually create the tape to make the VHS. Hold on. Yeah, Let me see. Worldwide between April 3rd and 8th of 2000, and then France got it a year later. Holy cow. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess it kind of does make sense for the VHS time frame because you have to actually, you know, record everything to each individual tape. Yeah. Whereas, whereas there's, I'm sure there's setups with like a thousand DVD or Blu ray burners at once that's all automated that, that work at, you know, at, at a speed that's not, movie speed yeah because i'm pretty sure they had to record i'd have to look it up I'm, if i had to guess they probably had to record to a vhs tape at speed so it took two hours for them to make one vhs which is just horrible what's your guys favorite scene in episode one if you had to pick one Ooh. aside from the darth maul obi-wan qui-gon duel uh, yeah, no-brainer. That, that would be mine as well. I was going to say that. So yeah, besides that, oh, I like the opening scene. The opening yeah. scene's pretty cool. Just the whole like They're still coming through. <laughs> I remember I was like, oh my god, and they like start cutting through it, and the droid cars yeah, right It's pretty ass. Well, that's like the first time we see a lightsaber be used as anything but just like a sword. Yeah, like they're deflecting blaster bolts. Well, Luke did that. In Return of the Jedi, but when Qui-Gon plunges his lightsaber through the door, and it just starts melting like butter. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. That was pretty cool. Uh, you know, that's, that's a very difficult question to ask. Uh, as cliche as it sounds, if we're excluding both that, since it was yours, and the end scene, I thought the pod race was pretty fun. 
Oh, yeah. If I had to pick another one that was really sweet, I, well, I know I wore this out on my VHS to the point where it just skipped and jumped, was Yoda saying, you know, uh, anger leads to hate, you know, hate leads to suffering. Why, why that scene? I don't know. It's just like the council meeting. Play it again. For some reason. Roll it again. Roll it again. But yeah, no, I mean, like, the a lot of the stuff, man, uh, Qui-Gon was such an awesome character. The uh, Even when he's having dinner with Anakin's mom, and they're having the conversation, what makes you think I'm a Jedi? I saw your laser sword. Maybe I killed a Jedi and took it from him. Uh, Nobody can kill a Jedi. Nobody can kill a Jedi. I wish that were so, whatever he says. I wish that were true. Foreshadow much. Yeah. So, and, and do you remember the the poster? I saw the poster recently. Like the with initial the Darth Vader shadow? Yeah. So it was like yeah. young Anakin with the Darth Vader shadow on the Tatooine style yeah. house. Uh, that was a that was a fantastic poster. I, I watched looking at that again. I was like, wow, that was some fantastic. How into art. Star Wars were you guys before Episode One? Were you introduced oh. to Star Wars through Episode One? Had you seen the original trilogy before that? I had. So, so I had. So I, I remember going into Meyer. And they were. It was when the uh, the original trilogy re released in '97, and they were playing it on a. They were, they were playing a clip from Return of the Jedi, and I had never seen it before. And I remember watching it for like, I don't know, like 20 minutes while my mom went and shopped or something, and then we ended up buying the VHS tape. So that was that's when awesome. I was exposed to it. Yeah, yeah. As a quick callback to man, that used to be a really fun time. That was the only reason why I would like to go shopping with my parents, like at big box stores like Meyer or Walmart or whatever. They uh they had, you know, video game systems or things playing. Yeah, so you could yep. go. You could go and waste your time playing a video game while they're that you don't have, yeah. on a system that you don't have while they're just running around doing their adult stuff. But yeah, I I had seen it. My like uh I I don't I didn't really get into Star Wars until uh Josh corrupted me. <laughs> but um, I'm glad I'm glad that he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Uh, but yeah, I was thinking great. about that. Um, so Sean and I actually really started becoming friends in seventh grade. It would have been seventh grade. Yeah. <laughs> it was when Sean and I really started talking too. Yeah. Sean, I remember with you, like you and I became a lot closer with, um, cause that's when episode two was coming out and you had that terrible <laughs> rip of episode two <laughs> that like, pirated the worst pirate yeah. thing ever so so my my cousin on my dad's side who i like had never met before we were at like a like a family barbecue or something like that after attack of the clones had come out and he was like oh i got this like pirated version of and this is like 2002 so like even pirating movies like burning into dvds is still pretty new so i thought it was crazy so he gave me it and i loaded it up in my dad's computer and played it and it was like you know, one of the really low quality versions that somebody had recorded the screen at the movie theater. It's like 140p or something yeah, like that. Ab- absolutely terrible. This is like 2002. So I didn't know. I didn't have the ability at the time to like make a rip of it. So I took my like really crappy old, you know, home video recorder and recorded the computer screen. So I, rec- <laughs> I reported, recorded the screen that was a recording of a screen. And made a VHS of it and gave it to Josh so he could watch it. And I was like, this man is going to be one of my best friends ever <laughs> because he has supplied me with this. And it was terrible because there was like the glare from a window. 
You can like hear like my dad. You can hear like my time. dad walk by in the background. Yeah, for a long time, I thought that was just part of the movie. You know, yeah. it's just like little <laughs> things that happen. It's like, oh, oh. Hey, hey, got... <laughs> George Lucas just changed that in the revised. <laughs> yeah, edition. it was a special edition. Yeah, it, yeah no, I, it was. It was seventh grade for us. It was. It was probably the second semester though, because you and Sean were already friends. Yep. Yep. And it was we had a science class together. This is Arbor. Yeah. Well, good science name, by the way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you you had started talking to me. I don't even know. I think I was just humoring you at the time. I think you were. I think you were like, "This kid's weird. He has a uh, Star Wars Jedi uh, notebook." Remember, I made like that Jedi <laughs> the book? handbook. The handbook. Yeah, the Jedi yeah. handbook. That thing was super intuitive, especially yeah. for the time. That thing was insane even now i hope you find that or still have that but um i'm sure it's probably at my parents house yeah i had like a bunch of quotes and stuff i put in there you had the you had the jedi code you had illustrations you had images it was it was pretty intense and uh yeah i think i was just hearing you at the time but uh eventually we started uh we we used to call it what we're gonna go outside and uh role play rpg we're gonna role play game yeah (laughs) No, but we said it like we said it in a way that was redundant. Yeah. Oh what yeah. Gonna... No RPG. Yeah, we're gonna go RPG. Yeah. We're gonna go role play game. Yeah, you're right. That's what it was. And but like, yeah, you, we just and, lay and around ca- as Star Wars you, characters. You had cast me as I think Throne in your seventh grade movie that we shot uh, the yeah. basement of the library, where I had to talk like this. Uh, that was so. That was a whole different movie. That I was, was a whole different thing. The other day, but we I mean, held, like the... we held auditions. <laughs> Yeah, we had a pretty good turnout for all those auditions. Actually, yeah, we had like twenty back. kids show up after school for the tryout for our movie. It was awesome. Yeah, cream of the crap. Yeah, too, too bad it wasn't in the late seventies or late sixties, because by now we we both would be the we are all three of us would be the Spielbergs of our time. Yeah, we're like Coppola's Spielberg yeah. and Lucas. It's <laughs> a different different age, different era. Yeah, I, I remember that book, and I remember. Slowly starting to hang out with you. I remember not liking Sean in the beginning because you had turned him against, turned us against each other. Understandable. I think you guys, you guys didn't like each other to begin with, and then I didn't do anything to help it. Basically, (laughs) antagonized. Josh was like the Sidious, just plotting. Yes, antagonizing. You were the separatists and the Republic. But but eventually, eventually, the uh, you know. The the apprentice was taught everything the master knew. It was it was Roach who turned Casey against me. It and was, it was Roach. Roach. And eventually, um, we it was kind of like a feud. It was like Sean and I against you and Tim Q. Oh man, it was just like and then civil it, war without it, end. It, it was, and then and then it took what? It took three or four years after that for all of us to finally just like calm down and. Be like, okay, <laughs> we're, we're cool. We're friends. It took, it took a long time. Yeah. It took a long time. It took until uh, your guys' weddings. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. Holy cow. No, well, well before that. Well, we, did, you we, guys... did all, we, we did all go see. Well, no, we didn't. We already explained our episode three. Yeah. Fiasco. We, we don't have to go back. Yeah, we, all, we all went to go to see episode three at midnight, didn't we? Have we? Have, awesome. No, he yeah. wasn't there. <laughs> oh, I wasn't? No. Thanks no for your dad me. wouldn't let you go. Thanks yeah, for so, thanks. Thank you know what I, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna like, Google therapist in my area. I think have we? I don't think we us three together have all seen a premiere, have we? I don't think not until episode nine. Not now, until I, episode I, nine. No, I did say I did say that I'm gonna come back 
I'm gonna fly back to Michigan for episode nine. Yep. All right, you guys heard it here, and uh, we want to see a lot of our our listeners there too to join us. But uh, I, I did have a question for you guys. I, I don't know if I shared this on the podcast or not. But when you saw, so you guys said you saw the original trilogy before episode one. Yep. Did you did you connect the dots when you saw episode one? Did you realize that Palpatine was Darth Sidious was the Emperor? Yes. Because he looked pretty similar. I mean, it was the, the first viewing. The old guy wearing a hood. Yeah. So I mean, okay. So that's Sidious. So did you knew did Sidious I, was the emperor? Did, I, did you I, know that Palpatine was Sidious? Oh no. Well, then no. I mean, I think I suspected it, but like I didn't know it was. You just certain. like gradually come to that realization in between. I mean, two. I mean, you saw the hooded guy who kind of looked like Palpatine, and then they call a different guy Palpatine. So right. It's like. Well, know. they never even actually call him Palpatine in uh, in the movie, in Return of the Jedi. They never say Palpatine. They only refer to him as the Emperor in any of the movies. But Josh, you're saying in the original trilogy, they never say the words Palpatine? Nope. So when, when in Star Wars it, lore did he actually get that name? It actually was always there. It actually was uh, name-dropped. Emperor Palpatine was name-dropped, and it even said that he like rose to the ranks of the Senate and became the Emperor in the novelization for the first Star Wars movie that came out in tandem with the first Star Wars movie. So so he was always Way back in 77. But okay. they just never said it. But, I mean, my point is, like, uh, I did not realize when I saw episode one, like, I had already seen the original trilogy, um, and I was, like, familiar with him for, like, a couple of years by the time episode one came out. So I knew who the Emperor was. Return of the Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. So, like, just because of that scene, basically, like, Vader taking out the Emperor, the realization that Senator Palpatine was the Emperor and that he was Darth Sidious all hit me at Meyer. Like, Meyer's a good place to have epiphanies for Star Wars. Uh, they had the action figures back then. I don't know if it was, like, the Power of the Force line, but they had... Any uh, characters that were in the new trilogy or in episode one and were in the original trilogy, they had special action figures like Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was a young Obi-Wan Kenobi action figure, but then it had like this thing you could pull that came with it and it like shifted. So it was a picture of old Ben and it shifted to like a picture of young Obi-Wan. Right. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I was kind of looking through a couple of them. They had like Yoda. They had messed up looking puppet Yoda from episode one that was originally there. And then they had like Yoda from Empire. And then there was one of Senator Palpatine from episode one. And it had one of those shifter things. And I'm like, what? And it was, so it was Palpatine and the Emperor, not not Palpatine and Sidious, though, right? Right. right. Because they didn't actually, I mean, they, they kept it. They didn't say that, he, that Palpatine was Sidious. They didn't even put Ian McDiarmid in the credits, right, for Sidious? Right, right. Yeah. But I mean, like, it. It all clicked for me as soon as I saw, as soon as I saw that thing like Senator Palpatine, he was in the original movies and then it was shift Emperor Palpatine. Oh, and I remember like the world fell out. I was like, oh, what? (laughs) It's it's a trap. It's a trap. No, that was that was the the realization (laughs) for me that uh, Palpatine Sidious. And the Emperor were all, I mean, all the same person. If it was, uh, if Episode One came out right now, we'd all be debating. You know, is Palpatine Sidious? Oh yeah, that was the hot topic back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
is Palpatine Sidious? Is is Qui Gon Anakin's? Uh, is Qui Gon Anakin's father? I remember that was a, that was a theory back then. Because it kind of seems. <laughs> I, I like See, I don't remember this stuff. Like, I don't remember the first time I watched. Like, even going back to Episode One or Two, I I, I remember seeing Revenge of the Sith multiple times. Uh, with you, Josh, but I don't. I, yeah, this, like, looking back, man, I remember just being in awe of the spectacle of everything. Yeah, I think I only saw Episode Two. I think I saw it in theaters twice. Tim Q and I went, um, like opening weekend because it was like right over his birthday. And then I saw it once with my dad, I think. And then episode three is when we were all like, you know, older teenagers and we had, you had, you guys had cars. I don't think I had a car yet. Nope. No, you didn't. But, uh, so we had a little bit, you know, of more, uh, Sean Saturn, Sean Saturn and my grand M. But yeah, I, But do you guys remember the lead up to episode one? Just like the cultural hype, episode one was everywhere. Oh yeah, it was huge. Speaking of that, you guys remember the uh, variety? Have you guys looked at the variety photo shoot for? Uh, I have episode nine. Yeah, Annie Leibovitz. So she's done like the Vanity Fair photo shoot for the Star Wars movie since episode one. You guys know the photo. It's like a really famous photo from the episode one promotional uh, stuff. It's Darth Maul and Obi-Wan like in the air fighting on Tatooine. Like they're both jumping in the air. Yes. Yeah. I think you, I think you mean Qui-Gon, not Obi-Wan. No, but... no it's Obi-Wan, which is, <laughs> really? which is my point, which is my point. Like we see all this stuff. Like uh, we see like Ray and Kylo fighting. That isn't uh, actually in the movie. <laughs> yeah. None of this could actually be in the movie. This could all just be totally staged. Or, or like, even in The Force Awakens, we see Phasma at the ruins of Maz Kanata's castle. Not there. Right. So, like, she pretty much picks a place. So, these are all taken in Jordan, for the most part. Some of them are on the sets, and some of it's, like, very cg But, uh, you guys see the one of Rey and Kylo fighting? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. And they seem to be standing, I've heard two theories, that they're standing on the Death Star ruins that we see in the first trailer. That seems likely. Or it's the crashed Falcon. Uh, could be. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't. I don't see a lot of like rust or wear and tear that would make me think it could be like the Death Star. Right. People are saying it looks like the Falcon upside down. How the hell do people know the Falcon looks like upside down? I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean, the thing behind her could either be like that satellite dish or the gun on the bottom. Yeah, there's like a little dish off to the side. It looks like too. So I mean, this could very well happen. Or it could just be totally staged, like Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul. They never fought on Tatooine. Well, they didn't fight on Tatooine for a good, like, 30 years. <laughs> it could Eventually, be. they fought on Tatooine. <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of rumors. So, spoiler, potential spoiler alert for people who uh, don't want to hear any I don't want to hear. Uh, you don't want to hear any rumors? <laughs> no, okay. I'm fine. Go ahead. Sorry. Never mind. Everybody, uh, everybody survives, and... Nothing bad happens to the Falcon, potentially. Now, there's rumors that the Falcon's going to be destroyed. But that's been a rumor for every Star Wars film for this new trilogy, going back to The Force Awakens. I I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me just because it was like Han's baby and now Han's gone. So 
So I, I, think, can see, I can see that happening. I think the most interesting photo of this series is J.J. Abrams standing in the middle of the Knights of Ren. Freaking Knights of Ren. Maybe he's a Knight of Ren. He's <laughs> actually... He's, you know, yeah, he's, he's the telling lead. them what to do. Yeah, so he's he's the boss. You guys notice, so uh, one of the Knights of Ren is holding like a giant axe-like thing. Yeah, that was part top. of the Solo, right? I did see. Yeah, it was on the set. It was actually uh, the weapon that was sitting there with the Mandalorian armor and Solo. I saw that, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, it was probably just a, a reused set piece." I'm like, I highly doubt that. Well, well, Same. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's important. Dryden Voss was a pretty, you know, heavy hitter in the Crimson Dawn. Maybe this is. I mean, this is several, several years later. Um, but I mean, yeah, you know, it could be a similar type of weapon. Like it's just like in uh in the movie Meet the Parents when he gets delivered the wrong suitcase, he's like he's and they're like this is, it's a black Samsonite suitcase, and his response is, "Do you think Samsonite, in the grand scheme to make a profit, made more than one?" <laughs> so it's oh, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's possible it could just be like a very common weapon type. Right, yeah. But uh, or or it would be really cool if it was next level and it was like the story group wanted to just plant that in there for like later, you know, Star Wars comic books or books. Or I wonder. I wonder if one of the knights is holding it in that like real. If you can make it out in the shot of them in the Force Awakens in the Force bag when they're standing there in the rain, I wonder if it's the same thing. If it's I have the a theory. Same thing. I have a theory for you guys. So. I don't think anything's really an accident, right? Um, you don't really see a lot of the same weapons get reused besides blasters and lightsabers and stuff like yeah. that. Because, you know, in the uh, in Force Awakens, they had that crazy electrical shock stick that could defend against a lightsaber. Yep. Um, so it's, uh, it's the same weapon that was... It looks like the same weapon, at least, that was on the ship that Dryden Voss was on, who at the time was head of Crimson Dawn. Kira took away to go meet up with Darth Maul. What if Kira and Darth Maul had kids, right? And one of those kids became one of the Knights of Ren, Ooh. eventually. And that's and that's his weapon. What if, yeah? What if uh, Darth like, Maul? What if man. Darth Maul founded the Knights of Ren? Way to go! Well, no, well, go I Darth Maul. I think, well, that, I think Darth that's Maul well. I think. Well, I mean, like based off the Force Awakens or Solo, the, the Last Jedi, they um. The Knights of Ren, in my mind, were the students that Kylo convinced to go with him, and he killed everybody else. In my mind, that's yeah. I mean, that's a leading theory. But uh, even still, that's I mean that it it's still possible that who knows how long the Crimson Dawn lasted for. It's is it not possible that Kira could have sent one of her kids off to to be with? Like asked Han Solo for advice. I need to get my kid out of here. Yeah. Like, tried, tried to yeah. convince Han that it was actually his, and he's like, "That kid has horns." I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> you're just no convincing. I want a fraternity test. No convincing of that. I mean, right? intergalactic Mori. But he's a smuggler. He could smuggle Darth Maul's child away from him. I mean, so if you want to go, I mean, I guess we know that that Maul is actually dead now, right? Is that a crazy theory, or does that sound cool? I think it sounds kind of cool. It is crazy, but it's not like... I I wouldn't scoff at it if it came true. It would be really cool if, like, yeah, like, Casey, like, that theory, and and somehow it all tied with, like, Palpatine is coming back, 
like Darth Maul somehow ties together with that. I mean, everything kind of has some sort of. It's you know, a small tie-in. world after all. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. A terrible. Yeah. 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 I think yes. that's the most interesting photo. Also, there's a guy holding like a huge like butcher knife too. Yes. Like a massive just It's like it's... half of Thanos weapon. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was gonna say. It looks it it reminds me of a wider, shorter version of the weapon that Thanos was What if this is a young Thanos? Yeah, then we're getting some cross universe. It's play. all Disney. It's all how Disney. pissed how pissed would you be if this was a young Thanos? <laughs> <laughs> this is like the beginning of like a new the like next Marvel segment. Star Wars series. Oh my god! I want to know the name of these horse things that Finn and are, are those the same Baruch's? stupid horse things that were on? No, 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 they're, no they're, they're not Fathiers. Those are Fathiers. I think these are like Baruchs or something weird like that. But uh, Rilo Baruch was an actual character in Jabba's Palace. At least in Star Wars Galaxies. Yeah, we had to do missions for him. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there was like 15 different guys in missions yeah, for him. Yeah. So for context, was... for all those who aren't familiar with the, with this, uh, the three of us used to play a game called uh, Star Wars Galaxies. It was basically, what was that other huge MMORPG game? EverQuest? No. Warcraft? World of Warcraft. It, it was, was kind of like... World of Warcraft, though. Uh, yeah, it's it was... it kind of like World of Warcraft... In, in the Star Wars galaxy, like just oh, to... oh. that's that's actually very no, that's that's very very wrong. How it started out was more of an EverQuesty type thing. See, I'm not familiar with, with EverQuest at all. In, so in, in, in its new genre, uh, it was it's a completely open sandbox world. If you want to if you want to build stuff, there's a 32 professions you can mix and match. You could build stuff. You could fix stuff. You could do whatever. If you wanted to build stuff, you actually have to go to different planets and survey the planet for the best resources and stuff like that. So there was like a huge uh, trade. You could be like a chef if you wanted to. You could be an entertainer, musician, whatever whatever career you wanted to take. There There was tons of stuff that you could do. And then what happened was WoW came out. And the subscribership for Star Wars Galaxies dwindled. Right. So they wanted to make the game more like WoW. Because that's 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 yeah, because at that time, Star Wars Galaxies didn't have levels. It was just skill points and stuff like that. that yeah, so potentially you could be a brand new player with like good strategy, get an okay gun. I mean, you could take out somebody who is much more veteran player than you. Depending on on the yeah, depending on quality of gear and and the moves and if they knew what the heck they were doing. Like originally, it was almost kind of the equivalent to playing a Dungeons and Dragons style game to where you could do anything you wanted with your character and mix and match things with your character, but in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and awesome. Yeah, it was pretty fun, and, and it's still live today. You can play the emus, both the old version and the NGE version, if you want to. I yeah. played it a couple of years ago. It was pretty fun. I played it when Carla was pregnant. I played it all the time. We were the uh, the Karoon brothers, Telesto yes. Karoon, Talitas Karoon, and Talander Karoon. Yep. Own several towns or mayors because you could have your own town. You could have Karoon, your own houses. FA. Yeah, yeah. Good times. Good times. So in these in these photos, when we uh, did our episode nine trailer breakdown. Um, we were speculating as to which desert planet they were on. Was it Jeddah? 
was it Tatooine, or were we going back to Jakku? No one goes back to Jakku. Why is everyone going back to Jakku? Yeah, they they have announced at least a desert planet. Like, there still could be some misdirection going on. It is J.J. Abrams, after all. We have heard in this article, they did talk about that one of the desert planets we see here is called Pasana. So it is another desert planet. So I think that makes five desert planets in the movies. No, it's not not outrageous to think about in a large galaxy. Yeah, they just seem to go to a lot of them. A lot of barren wastelands. You combine those planets with Camino, and then boom, you got Earth for five planets. (laughs) There we got uh, a look at who uh, Carrie Russell is playing. Bliss, I think is her name. Is that the one with the gold helmet and red? Yes, yes. Yeah. Zori Bliss, I think is her name. Is she car- what is she carrying? It looks like a lightsaber. That's no, a gun. Is it it's a, a gun? Look at it. Look at it. It has a sight on the bottom of it. It's yeah. a weird-shaped gun. They almost look like space-age muskets, like pistols. You know what I mean? Like the old-school, like... She, yeah, yeah. She she strikes me as like like a, like an old republic bounty hunter type situation. And the, there's one other photo on here we should talk about, which is Luke Skywalker. What do you guys make of this photo of Luke Skywalker standing here with R two D two surrounded by a burning field, just surrounded by it looks like grass on fire. So are we sure this isn't him watching the temple burn? Uh. So yeah. So that's. That's exactly what I think because R2-D2 – no, I don't know. How did the last part of the map end up in the old guy's hands? Right? Well, that we R2-D2, don't know. Was R2-D2 there? Did he shut – R2-D2 R2. had the rest of it. So yep. Did he shut R2 down? Well, R2 – see, R2 had the rest of the uh, Bless me. the map except – and according to canon – uh, R2 basically had downloaded all of that information from when he like tapped into the Death Star way back in Episode 4. What, what information? Where Luke was? He hadn't even gone there yet. No, 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 no. Just just the space maps. Oh, okay. And at some point, Luke extracted that part of the, like, that information um, from R2 and from, like, every other database. So the part that uh, BB-8 had. So somehow Lor Santeca got that information. But uh, going back to uh, to Luke here, I don't think this is Luke at the burning of the Jedi Temple because it just simply does not match up. Because Luke, when his Jedi Temple was taken out and Ben turned, shorter he's got beard, shorter, shorter beard, shorter hair, wearing oh, yeah, different right. robes. Yep. This is Luke, like... Episode 7. Episode 7 slash episode 8 robes. Like his, yeah, you're right. It, but so I mean, is this? It, I don't think it would really be a flashback to could be an episode seven, episode eight. Like, oh, we're flashing back to a year ago, where Luke was still hanging out. Like in the short period where Luke looked like this and had R two on the island. So basically, it would be a flashback to something that happened on the island. I, I mean, Ray was, or or what it's, about, what about when, when the lightning came down? And, Start of the, the books on fire. You think there's really something else that's pivotal there for us to have Probably a flashback? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think Yoda would have burned down the entire island because <laughs> uh, that's what it looks like. It looks like Yoda, Yoda the pilot. 
<laughs> but uh, this so, I mean, fire the, 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 the only time they were physically together in the last trilogy was when he was basically on the ship looking at the Millennium Falcon, where he yeah. took Han's dice and stuff like that, right? So maybe, maybe the Force ghosts, maybe Luke is powerful enough to where he can manifest himself into mm, wonder, kind of like a Force projectiony type wonder, thing. Wonder if he's ever done that before. Yeah, has he ever projected himself across the galaxy? To where the point where he's physically tangible, and Yoda did it in Episode Eight. We talked about this in prior episode. Uh, yeah, the Force was... ghosts have went like since Qui Gon and Obi Wan being disembodied voices to all the way up to you see Yoda in Episode Eight. He's physically manifested. He's beating people over the head. And he's calling lightning down from the sky. What are the odds <laughs> that Liam Neeson is in Nine? Oh, I, would I guess give it. Low. I give it ten percent. I, I I feel like you couldn't keep that a secret. Like it would come out. No, dude, it's Disney, man. They keep, everything's under wraps. Are you kidding? No, me? They could, they could no. probably keep. I mean, they kept Palpatine a secret up to this point. Yeah, they were afraid that was, that was going to leak. I feel like I would freak out so hard if if I see like Qui Gon in some capacity in this movie. It would be. Insane. I would just like to hear his voice. Yeah, I mean, voice. Whatever would be awesome. Okay, so what do you guys? What are the odds? You guys think that we see Obi Wan somehow? Either you and McGregor, a CG Alec Guinness, that we see Obi Wan. Probably slightly more than the chances that we see Qui Gon, because we've already heard Obi Wan. Yeah, I don't know. BC, there was no like even even in the redos of Return of the Jedi where they put Anakin in there. It was still Alec Guinness, right? Yeah, and okay, so the reason that Obi-Wan hasn't shown up in this, like Ewan McGregor hasn't reprised this role for Episode 7 or Episode 8 physically, both J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson have both said that it wouldn't make any sense to them as storytellers, they think, like visually, to see Ewan McGregor interacting with Mark Hamill because that's not the, that's not the Obi-Wan that Mark... Or, you know, that Luke knows. Why would right. he appear to him that way? <laughs> Makes yeah, sense. true. I mean, like, unless, unless, um, like, the only reason that I could see that happening is if the Force is weird and the whole Force ghost system is weird, is if Luke needs advice from, because uh, if you look back to uh, Empire, right? Um, when Yoda's arguing against training Luke, like, he's, he's too old, he's impulsive, whatever. He's like, so was I. Maybe Luke or somebody needs a voice from someone who was impulsive who ended up becoming wise. Uh, it's That would be the only reason, I think, to see them from a storytelling standpoint. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you'll see an Obi-Wan. You could see a Qui-Gon. So? I'm just saying you could, but I don't think you uh, could see an Obi-Wan. You might hear odds are, odds are we see Anakin. I was gonna, I was just gonna ask that next. You, you really think it's likely that we see Anakin? I give that about a fifty-fifty. Yeah, I don't yeah. see it as extremely likely, but I wouldn't be surprised. You see, I think, I think what happens here though is because if you focus on the specific line, a thousand generations live in you now, right? So the only ones who know how to talk through the Force are Obi Wan, Qui Gon, Anakin, and Yoda, uh, and Luke, presumably. But uh, I think that there's going to be Palpatine. like a, I think, well, yeah, he laughed, at least. 
Um, but I think there's going to be like a final sort of goodbye. Like I think they're going to give. I think they're going to give Ray the new Jedi and let oh, her yeah. kind of deal with it. Just like one scene where they're all like talking and like yeah, wish, yeah. Wish that, that would be like the coolest thing ever. Like the biggest yeah. fan service, like a council of like followers. Where they're like. They're kind of like talking for a few minutes and like yeah. talking to her. Oh, oh, and then, that would then, just be the then, coolest thing. And then, and then they're gone. They're gone yeah. forever. Never coming back again. We're going. They're going into the forest. Blah blah blah. But uh, I thought I think that'd be super cool. I, I would. I would probably poop. So between 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 that crazy theory, the um, Darth Maul's kid being one of the yeah. nicer men. Anything's possible. Sir, a transmission from the planet. My long-range transmitter has been knocked out. Retransmit this message to Coruscant. Hey, Casey, Sean, and Josh. This is Tim. I'm really curious what the boy at the end of The Last Jedi is about. When we ended The Force Awakens and Rey finds Luke, it's clearly a significant moment, and it's strange to me that it would end on a cliffhanger with the name of the movie The Last Jedi and a little boy who has Jedi abilities. I know clearly it's you know, alluding to the Force still being alive and well, but I'm wondering if there might be more to it. All right. So that was Tim. And he's wondering what's up with uh, Broom Boy, which <laughs> Broom Boy's name is Tamiri Blag, B L A G G Blag. Horrible name. So my theory, first off, good question, Tim. Second off, I, so I think you know every every minor character in Star Wars has a story, right? So I, I think he's going to have a story. I think at some point in the extended universe, I would not be surprised to see him become a Jedi. If I had to guess, I, I doubt he's going to be pivotal to the main storyline, but I think we'll probably hear more of him. Down the line. Down the line at some point in some sort of you know, so you extended think universe story. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he's basically a... Uh, like, Star Wars is rich with side characters, and I mean, it's been said several times, especially back, you know, like the Cantina and stuff. There was a whole book that was released years ago that I had, which was... Uh, Tales from the Cantina and Tales from Jabba's Palace. And literally all that was was like secondary side characters like Walrus Man. And like the whole thing was if you take the camera in Star Wars and you like Walrus Face. Yeah, Walrus Face Man. And if you shift the camera just slightly to this other group of people, it'd be just as interesting as a story. So I would say that he's probably just showing that there the force has awakened in the galaxy there are other force users out there it's not devoid of force users and that there's just there's hope for ray to build another um jedi order and it doesn't have to be that it's not just about building a new jedi order right so if you look at the title's called the last jedi if you mirror that end scene with the title and with luke telling ray it's time for the jedi to end Clearly the Force has disagreed with that because the whole point of being – like if you're Force-sensitive 
if if you're good, if you're bad, or whatever. This boy, he was, you know, he played a pivotal role in helping Finn and Rose, yeah, and getting all the whatever those father years, father years, creatures, space horse out. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so he, so yeah, he represents hope. He represents good in a galaxy that is filling up with evil again. I mean, that planet in particular was like a den of evil, a cesspool. Yeah, and and he and just like I mean, if you look at Anakin where he grew up, yeah, it kind of mirrors that he was a slave. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for calling in. Call in again and uh, hit us up with another uh, another question or theory. Um, who do we got next here? Nathan. Let's play Nathan's here. Hey, the Talking Sith. This is Nathan from Kalamazoo. Can you tell me about the impact of the different mothers within the Star Wars and how they've interacted and changed um, the universe? That's a good question. Yeah, so Nathan wants to know about the impact of mothers in the Star Wars universe. I mean, really, the whole story of the Skywalker storyline would not have happened without Shmi. So, in the beginning, huge impact there. Right, and and Anakin's whole thing was, he always said that he would come back for her, and by the time he did, it was too late because of these visions that he was having. And there's another Palpatine question. Did the did Palpatine did Sidious uh work with the Tuscan Raiders to kidnap his mom to help yeah. him turn to the dark side? I I, I don't know. Um you don't yeah, see we discussed a lot of, that on uh yeah. our last podcast. You don't see a lot of mothers besides the actual Skywalker mothers. But um I think the most influential obviously would be Leia because she was the only one who could convince uh Kylo to hesitate. He didn't shoot at the bridge of the ship that she was on. Yeah. It was, it was her, it was her being there. Yeah. I mean, we back to the mother's love. We see pad Padme didn't really have a huge impact on, on her children. I mean, she died right away. Why would she? Right. So, but, uh, then we get, I mean, we could look at Briha who is the, uh, the queen and the queen of Alderaan, but we don't get a whole lot about her, uh, in the movies, I mean, in the books, we see that she had a really, you know, obviously you can take most of what um, Leia is and attribute that to Briha. Like, yeah. her upbringing was from this this queen who was a very, like, down-to-earth queen. She's very much like a queen of the people. And then we have Aunt Beru, who essentially raised Luke, like, as if she was, yeah. you know, his mother. Um yeah, I, I, I don't think that the mothers are as influential as they should be. I think that they are a driving, f- I mean, I guess. Yeah. But they're, they're a driving force for Anakin, obviously, and also for Kylo, for him yeah, to not that, kill Leia. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, you know, Shmi's direct impact, like in the movie, I mean, she didn't, she didn't go out there and, you know, fight people or do anything like that. But clearly her... Her impact on Anakin was huge, right? I mean, that's what drove him. That was the driver for him to go back there. So her impact was displayed kind of indirectly, but, you know, definitely it was a huge driver for him, like you said. Well, look at the effect that it had on Anakin. Like, he was a selfless little boy, 
you know, and, like, and they, uh, at 10 years old, we weren't totally selfless. Like he was 10 years old and selfless. And that has yeah. you take him away from his mother, take him away from that exposure, that love, that protection, uh, that caring, uh, you know, and she obviously, you know, I mean, we're all close with our mothers. We can, you know, growing up, we could tell our mothers things and they were, they were much more accepting than maybe, you know, these monks over here that wanted us to be celibate and not love anyone. Yeah, well, true. Uh, I mean, and it also kind of couples back a little bit, very vaguely, to Ray of always wanting to be in Jakku to wait for her parents, um, whether it's specifically her mom or her dad. But yeah, no, I think uh, I think the the mothers were a, a driving factor for emotions um, that Sidious played on in the beginning with Anakin, and then is almost kind of redeem, a redeeming quality, potentially, of Kylo in The Last Jedi. Yeah, so I think that, and we we heard from the beginning that Episode 7 was Harrison's time to shine, Han Solo's time to shine. Episode 8 was Mark, Luke's, and it was planned that Episode 9 was going to be Carrie's. And like you guys said, like, big player and like the mother thing i think i I think we'll still see that to a certain extent is going to be leia and i think we're you know we're going to see that still in episode nine where the mother role is going to play a huge impact on (laughs) whatever the outcome it is on kylo which funny thing i posted this on our uh, social medias um in an alternate universe had we not lost our uh our princess and our general carrie fisher terrible uh princess leia Today, episode nine would be premiering at the helm uh-huh. of, with Colin Trevorrow at the helm. Yep. Hey guys, this is the J-Man, and I'm a lapsed Star Wars fan. My question has to do with the general scope of the theatrical Star Wars movies. The appeal for much of the Star Wars movies during the original trilogy was that everything felt big, like there was this big universe out there that we got to play in, this big sandbox, right? Um, and as the movies have gone on and they've all just kind of dealt with the same family drama and the same sort of battles and the same, we're defeating the empire, scratch that out. Now we're defeating the first order, scratch that out. It's like, it's the same stories happening as the movies have gone on. The star Wars universe almost feels smaller and smaller and more constricted where the appeal was the, like how big everything felt at first with the next trilogy. Do you think they're going to expand that? Do you think they're going to tell other stories outside of that? Or do you think they're going to stick within this? And if so, what direction do you think they should go with it to help Star Wars kind of feel big instead of feeling smaller and more constricted? That's good. So, so, so I think that the the prequels, you know, as much as some people have issues with the writing and you know the lines and stuff like that, did an excellent job at making the world feel huge. Yeah, I mean, the, the prequels, the, just the whole universe felt massive. I think that. Since the the new trilogy has a lot more focus on you know the interaction between the main characters and it's more about the relationships than it was at the prequel, I, I, just, you know you could debate about that. But I think one thing, especially in Last Jedi, Jordan, I, I would agree with you that it did feel you know smaller a little bit. Yeah, you, know, you didn't see as many places as you did with the prequel. So I mean, I think this is as we tie up the Skywalker storyline. You know, in the next movies, it's all it's going to be a lot fresher. I think with Solo, you saw a lot of that too. So, yeah, and, and, I, and I agree. Oh. I think the thing is, when you look at the original trilogy, 
I think why it feels so big is because you spend a ton of time in space. You spend a ton of time in space. Like, look at A New Hope. They're blowing up Alderaan. They pick up Luke and take him to space. So it seemed like, especially at the time, it seems like a bigger world because you're taking this kid from the small, desolate planet, bringing him out into space, and you're traveling around the galaxy. You witness Alderaan blowing up, and then you're on the Death Star, and then again... You're like by the end of it, you're you're in space again. You hear mentions of other planets. Leia lies and says, "Yeah, the base is on Dantooine. Uh, it was an old base. They seem to have left a long time ago." She lied. You know, you know what I mean. So I don't think it necessarily got smaller. I just think the story got more focused. I would ag- I would agree with that. Yeah, I think that to add on to what you were saying, like an empire, we see we see a whole you know these all these different pods going out to these different systems looking for the rebels and we're, we're, you know, they're, they're emphasizing the scope of the galaxy and they're basically like, it's like a needle in a haystack looking for the rebels. We see Hoth. Then we go to Bespin. We see Dagobah. And then fast forward to return of the Jedi. You know, we we're seeing now a forest moon. We're seeing, um, again, Dagobah again. We're seeing, uh, we hear about these other planets At, at the end of return of the Jedi. You know, we see the the celebration. This is in the uh, right. special editions more, but you know, we see Bespin, we see Cloud City. Um, but like Sean said, so you take that. But like Sean said, in episode one, two, and three, they oh, really yeah. did a great job of yeah. expanding the scope. I mean, just if you look at Coruscant and then the Senate chambers, and you think each one of those Senate pods yeah. represents another system. Well, there's there's another scene too that really kind of shows how big the galaxy is, and that's when Obi Wan goes to Yoda when Yoda's training the younglings, trying oh, yeah. to figure out where Kamino is. Yeah. Yep. And the, he puts that little thing in the the little ball in the center of the room, and boom, you see all these planets. And he looks around, and he points like Kamino should be right here, and uh, but you see all of these other planets. So yeah, I think the prequels did a much better job at emphasizing the size of the galaxy. Well, and even the conversation that Anakin has with Qui Gon, you know, he's looking up at the stars and he's like, "Oh, there's so many stars. Do they all have systems? You know, I want to see them all. I want to be the first one to visit them all." So they're emphasizing this yeah. is huge, and I would agree with what Sean says. Think of it as like a camera; like you're very much narrowing your focus you're right. we're zooming in and i think it's fitting because um you start off with the prequels one two and three we have this this uh sith lord whose goal is to overtake the entire galaxy he wants to rule the galaxy and in order to do that he ends up basically using this boy from tatooine as a pawn to take down this huge galaxy-spanning order of the Jedi. And by the time you get to the original trilogy, he's already taken over the galaxy, and he's just trying to hold it tight within his grip. And it comes back to this boy's son. So it's it's focusing on more of an interpersonal... Yeah. you know, family dynamic. Yeah, and, and, that's the only, and that's the only way that stories can be told. Stories can be told unless you're George R. R. Martin writing Game of Thrones, apparently. Um, but even with the show, 
what they kind of started to struggle in is focusing in on the actual characters. Uh, a character can only do so much within their lifetime. And a story isn't interesting unless a character goes through trials and tribulations and redeems themselves or trials, and tri trials tribulations and dies and things like that. So you, you can't just... You can't just show, oh, here's the galaxy. Because uh, if you look at the Star Wars as a universe, which it, which it has been built as, yeah. look at but, look at how many stories and books and movies have yeah. been written just here on Earth. You could make yeah. a thousand movies about the Star Wars universe and not even Scratch tell half of it. Yeah. But, but, but Casey, I would say the original trilogy did a good job of doing both. Yeah. I mean, they, they, people say George Lucas was a really good like world builder, right? And a yeah. universe builder. He was excellent at it, but... You know, people say that the, the interpersonal part of it wasn't as good in, in the prequels, but I think the original trilogy had a good balance of both, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what it was. Like, So like we said, like the prequels was this huge galaxy-spanning thing. You'd zoom into the, the uh, original trilogies and it, the, the original trilogy, and it's Luke and Vader, but there's still this uh, galaxy-wide galactic war going on. Well, but I mean, by time, I mean, yeah, by time yeah. you get to the the sequel trilogy, now we've labeled it the Skywalker Saga, and I think that labeling it the Skywalker Saga pigeonholes it a little bit. Yeah, these these filmmakers, um, I mean, more and more is coming out about the creation process of what was actually planned out for the sequel trilogy, and what's really coming to light was there always has been a broad stroke plan for the three movies of the trilogy and since since the beginning. I mean, we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Kathleen has come out recently, and so has J.J., and said that uh, since J.J. came on, even when J.J. came on, there was already a broad stroke plan. And that broad stroke plan is where we got the information that Mark was going to be, or that Harrison was going to be featured in the first, Mark in the second, Carrie in the third. And that there was always a uh, natural progression of the story. And what they did is they brought in they brought in J.J., first of all, and I believe they offered him the entire trilogy. And he said, well, first off, he said no, he didn't want to do it at all. And then he said, yes, I'll, I'll do the first one. I'll, I'll start it off. I'll kick it off for you. And then they brought in other people. And essentially, what it sounds like to me is they, they had this broad stroke uh, plan. And so they brought in these creative minds that they thought would work well, and they let them pit, you know, pitch me your idea for episode eight. Pitch me your idea for episode nine. And whoever had the best idea that pretty much already lined up with where they were going, they brought them into the fold. Maybe. But at the, at the same time, I've worked – I've done music videos and stuff for Disney, and Disney has control of literally everything. But this, I, is, I think, this isn't I think as much Disney as it is Lucasfilm. Man, uh, I think you're wrong because Bob Iger, head of Disney, and, yes. and, I've, and I've only worked with like Disney Radio, Disney Music, and stuff like that. But Disney has a reputation for stepping in and saying, "No, no, no, this isn't going to work," even though they're telling us this the day of an actual shoot when they've had the entire treatment for a couple of weeks. Um, and that happens with labels and stuff like that too. It happens all the time when you're working with large companies. So I think, uh, yeah, I think Disney had a plan, and I think uh, Ryan Johnson's ideas and stuff kind of lined up with it. Whereas Kevin, Colin Trevorrow probably wanted to take more of an auteur type situation and and wanted to take it in a very different direction. 
So I'm glad they're bringing JJ back, I, and I think I still the, think, I think it was, that the, I like mostly of, Carrie's death. Well, that I mean, screwed up Colin. No, I don't. I, I disagree because because Colin really. I mean, I guess Ryan Johnson, his biggest movie before this was, I guess, Looper in my mind. Um, but he has he had a background in kind of sci-fi and stuff like that. Whereas Colin Trevorrow, yeah, some indie films and then Jurassic World. But I don't even think he had super control over Jurassic World. Like I, I think people just want to bring in when they bring in these indie upcoming producers or directors, uh, they're more of a figurehead yeah. in my mind. And if and if they don't want to play ball, then out you go. Where I think J.J. Abrams is he's established himself. He's not a figurehead. He has the clout to be yeah. able to come in and throw his weight around. That's yeah. why we're not watching episode nine right now. Even when he took over episode nine, it was still set to release on May 24th. We'd be watching it like right now. Yeah, it would be out. But he's, and he did the same thing to uh, Force Awakens. When he stepped in, it was supposed to release in May of 2015. But he was like, no, we're going to take our time and I'll do it if you let me do it in December, which he's basically like, you know, He's he's huge, and so he has the ability to step in. Like you said, he's not a figurehead by any means. Right, comes gotta, in and does things the way he wants to. Uh, in short, to answer the last part of the question, yeah, there's plenty of room in future movies to explore a larger universe. Uh, maybe maybe we'll actually see some freaking Bothans, man. That's what I want to see. We have yeah. seen Bothans. Bothan yeah. driving a taxi cab. What are you talking about? Yeah, in episode uh, one, there's a Bothan yeah, driving a cab. Taxi yeah, but cab. I want I want to see some actual like. You, you want, want to see, see them like, run, run it, running? Yeah. You want I, to see I, they any Bothans run. die? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I want to see them. I want to see them sick, running. Sick see. man, <laughs> running in all fours. Let me answer uh, the second part of DeHart's question, where he was, you know, asking if I think that uh, in the new movies they're going to broaden the horizon. And I say yes, because even in the press release for the original press release for Ryan uh, having his own trilogy and for the release for uh, um, David and Dan, Benioff and Weiss having their own series. That was the whole thing that they said was it's going to focus on an untouched part of the star Wars galaxy. And it's not going to be connected to the Skywalkers. Yeah. So I think that's the whole point of this is opening up the sandbox. Making it I think hard. so too, especially if you've got the guys who are heading Game of Thrones. I mean, look at that world, right? Right. I mean, if they take some of that and you know what they're known for, building a world and apply it again, I think it'll be. I think we'll we'll see a bigger scope, you know, once we get done with this storyline and into the next storyline. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the controversy right now with David and Dan is uh, how much of a world builder are they already? Like they aren't world builders in and of I guess themselves. that's true. They they didn't build the world, right? They took the world. For world so I mean, you could say like, but I mean, Star Wars is essentially already built, right? Like you step into the Star Wars galaxy, like we said, it's already like. So I mean, at a high level, but there's so many sections in the galaxy. You could have a whole solar system that you build. I mean, you could build it as much or as little as you wanted to, probably. Well. what what are your what what's your guess if you had to put if you had to put your money down and say are they going into the future or are they going into the past? I'd say future. I don't know. I it, it could be either though. What do you think? 
what do you think is easier? Like, do you think you're more handcuffed by the past or by the future? Like, I if mean, you go way, 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 way far back. I mean, you're more handcuffed by the past because if you do something huge, it has to tie in with the existing storyline. If it's in the future, you can literally make anything you want happen. Right, but I mean, the only the only problem I see with going into the future, unless they go, like, so far into the future that it's just, like, mil- you know, like thousands and thousands of years is then you handcuff yourself for eventually when they come back and they want to do a 10, 11, 12, which let's be honest, like fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. Yeah. But the galaxy is so big though. You can, you can have storylines over here and storylines over here and they could, you know, barely intertwine. I'm sure they will at some level intertwine, you know, the two, things i would assume if they're in the same timeline but you could have them not i mean you could completely independent the galaxy could be running congruent to the uh the original trilogy even it's possible you can put it wherever you want it to it's possible well yeah okay so what makes star wars star wars to you like what elements when you boil it down makes star wars star wars oh i mean the technology the jedi Lived in galaxy. A li- li- lived in galaxy. I mean, the aliens, the Jedi, multiple worlds. I mean, that's that's it. that's what Star Star Wars means to me. I guess the Force, the Force. Yeah, yeah. So I hope we see. I hope we see a lot of that. Well, it'll be interesting. I w- I would say it'd be more interesting to go into the future too. Although I would really like to see an origins of the Jedi somewhere. I want to see like the first Jedi, like. What's it look like for the first people that discovered the force? That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. Who we got next here? Uh, Matthew? Yep. Let's do Matthew. All right. All right, Josh, Casey, and Sean. We've got a couple of questions for you guys over at the Talking Sith Pod. First off, is Disney taking Star Wars down the wrong path? In other words, are they ruining Star Wars? Uh, some might say that they are in the process or have already uh, started to ruin the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I'm more uh, interested in, are they ruining Star Wars? My next and final question is, do you guys think that Ray is a descendant of Palpatine? Love to hear you guys' answers, and I love the podcast. Keep it up. Peace. All right. Well, Sean, hmm. do you think that uh, since Disney's acquisition, Star Wars gone downhill for you? So I definitely don't think they've ruined Star Wars. I mean, all of the movies that have come out since then, the four, have all been entertaining. I mean, I've liked all of them. I'm, I'm huge fans of them. I've watched them multiple times. Um, we started a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's Star Wars. I love it. They haven't ruined it by any means. I don't even... They haven't even made it bad, or, or they're, they're making great movies. Um, are they up to the same level for me as the original trilogy and the prequels? Probably not. I mean, I, I think the prequels, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it was because I was a kid, but I love the prequels. And obviously the original trilogy is the original trilogy. Um, I think that I, and I've made my issues known with how Ryan Johnson handled The Last Jedi. I really liked how it was going when J.J. had it with Force Awakens, and I think Ryan took it a different direction, and I hope J.J. kind of ties it all together. I'm going to reserve my judgment until I see, you know, the the next movie. 
uh, Rise of Skywalker. But overall, no, I don't think they ruined it by any means. I think they're making good movies. I don't, I don't have concerns about where Disney is going to take it at this point. I haven't seen a bad movie they've made in Star Wars yet. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I don't think it's. I mean, like you, like I said, we started a Star Wars podcast. Obviously, we don't think it's crap because we're not just going to sit here and crap on the <laughs> franchise. I mean, we could, but if we wanted to do that, we could just make a YouTube channel. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think that uh, I think a big part of it is to us the prequels are awesome. Yes, but that's because we grew up with the prequels, and we were already exposed to the original trilogy by our parents, you know, and by the generation before us, uh, who were original trilogy fans. And do I think the original trilogy is the best? Yes, I think that the storytelling, I think that the uh, like the dynamic and that just like the chemistry between the cast um, and just that time in our history. And like Casey always refers to, like back then, if like if you had a great idea, like it was so easy to run with it. Like it was so many things were new. Everybody right. was expanding their horizons. Um, so I think that a big part of us now being adults and looking at this new trilogy is a lot of how, uh, you know, adults and older people looked at the prequels when we were younger. Right. Yeah. So I. I don't think we're as harsh. We're, and I think it's because of that. I think it's because we saw the backlash of the prequels and we hold them near and dear to our hearts because we were the target audience back then. I do think that the sequel trilogy, the target audience is not 10 year olds anymore. It's, you know, it, 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 it's skewing a little older, but still I think that, uh, you know, this younger generation behind us, this is going to be their prequels. This is going to be their original trilogy. Right. And you, I mean, we saw at Celebration that uh, you would not have been able to get a standing ovation or the cheers for Ahmed Best, Jar Jar Binks, you know. No, five or ten years ago. Five or ten years ago, even. No, no. And so I think that, uh, and and to your point about uh, reserving your your, uh, final judgment on the last jedi until after return of the jedi i think that or until after episode nine it's kind of like when uh, empire strikes back came out i mean empire strikes back is now touted as like probably the best star wars movie yeah but when it came out is very controversial like if you really go back and you it i mean it's harder to dig things up now but i can try and dig up some articles and stuff but i've had i've heard some other podcasts who have actually like referred to some articles and like Time Magazine and New York Post, you know, and the reviews back then and just the the fan reaction, it was not very widely accepted. It was it was very akin to what The Last Jedi is. It's just everything is blown out of proportion. It's just magnified by the internet nowadays. Right. So but it wasn't until after Return of the Jedi where you have, you know, it it kind of puts the Empire Strikes Back into perspective. Um so I think it's, yeah, I, I would agree. We really have to reserve our judgment for this whole trilogy until this trilogy is wrapped up because it's very much like telling a story. They're going into it to tell a, a three-part story. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think a big part of it is going to be how J.J. ties it all together. I mean, if it comes together and it's like masterful and it's just amazing, I'm going to look back at the trilogy and say, yeah, this is a really, really good trilogy. And they did a whole... 
know, they did a great job tying it together. If it's just okay and it's not not great, I'm gonna probably still think, hey, it was kind of. You had one movie, you had a second movie, you had a third movie. So I, to me, it's really going to be how it all ties together. If you can tie together, you know, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. So it's it's just a good, coherent story. I think I'm really happy with it. Well, not only that, like we talked about before, he's tying up nine movies. He's not just getting the right. third installment of the third trilogy. He is getting... Right. And I mean, I think that's evident in how they're bringing back Palpatine. So this whole thread throughout the whole thing, like I said, like the scope is and the focus is narrowing, 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 but it still has the seeds of this phantom menace from episode one who started this whole mess in the galaxy, who started manipulating this family, the Skywalkers. And I think we're finally going to get this tied up in episode nine. So, I mean, he's been pulling the strings through all of this. The second part of Matt's question was, do you think that Ray's origins have anything to do with Palpatine? Mm, I would I would be surprised if it didn't in some capacity. If it didn't? If it yeah. if it didn't. I, I think I would say probably in my mind there's over a fifty percent you know probability that he played some had some hand in it, whether it be created her through the force in some way or influenced it somehow I'm, I'm i'm i think it's all gonna tie together that's just that's just well, how i feel we have heard palpatine reaching out to ray before when was that in the force awakens in her force back you hear palpatine in the force back i believe it's just his laughing actually which is <laughs> i wonder if it's the same laugh that's in the trailer i'm gonna have to go back and look that up would that you not like- be That'd, That'd be, be kind of stupid, actually. I'd be really annoyed. That you don't even see Palpatine; they're just reusing that same laugh he did for Force Awakens. Well, I'm not saying that like he's not going to show up in Episode Nine, but what if it's that same laugh that was in the that was in the Force Awakens? She's like foreseeing something. I don't know. Could be. I think there's a strong. I would agree with you. I think I, I'm going to go like 75 to 80 percent that Ray's backstory will have Palpatine in it somehow like he yeah, will have he, manipulated he, it or has done something somehow with it like i think it's possible that she was created through the force or some sort of dark energy or something like that but it's also just possible that her being on Haku, her whole backstory was somehow caused or, or guided by palpatine in some capacity all right well That's, let's play uh, uh victor you want to play victor uh, let's play victor all right, let's open up Victor. Hey, Casey, Sean, and Josh. This is Victor from Orlando, Florida. I've been listening to your podcast. I love it. Keep up the good work, okay? Now, I have a question for you guys. I want to know what your reaction was when you found out through the Vader comic books about Anakin's background. We knew who his mom was. We didn't know about his father. All of a sudden, they revealed this in the comics, and it was like a big shock for everybody. Um, what was your reaction to it? What do you think of it? Thank you. So Anakin, Anakin, um, I told you, you've heard about this uh, this mask that was um, imbued with the spirit of a Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Momin. And through Darth Momin, um, 
this gate was opened up basically underneath Vader's castle. And he was able to step through and it was like the spirit world kind of where he had this vision and this vision, like this force vision was showing him like parts of his past. He basically walked through his life. And in those panels you see, it showed that, uh, you know, it shows Shmi, Anakin's mother pregnant. And you see the panel saying like, uh, there was no father. And then you see Palpatine behind Shmi, kind of like ethereal, like like ghost, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah. ghosting kind, of, you know, like so, kind of his so, vapors. So that was Vader learning that Palpatine was responsible for him being created. That is what most people construe that as. That uh, Vader, that's like through this dark side vision. Vader so should start calling him Dad. Daddy. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. But uh, I think that um, this all ties in to Episode Nine and Ray because my theory is, or the theory that I heard, and it ties in with my theory was that uh, Palpatine and Plagueis, you know, they were they were searching for eternal life, mm-hmm. but. Uh, in canon, we know that when you have such dark side energy, it corrupts your body, right? So that's why, right. that's why, like Snoke, he was very powerful in the dark side. His body's messed up. Palpatine, very powerful in the dark side, body's messed up, and even more so in old canon. But I think that it's just getting dragged into new canon. Um, the theory is that Palpatine created. Anakin to be like this super force wielder. So he's literally like half force, half man. Sure. And the theory is that he, he created this, this, this man in order to someday transfer his consciousness into him. So he had this super body to transfer it in him into. And that, uh, that failed, obviously. He didn't want to do that anymore after Vader's body got just destroyed by Obi-Wan on Mustafar. Right. And that's why he was so interested in Luke. And now possibly Ray. And so, yeah, that the theory is that he then took and either repeated the process again yeah. with some junk traders on uh, Jakku. So, so, so this, this comic, the, the pictures you sent me, that just came out, that's recent? That came out a couple months ago, yep. I mean, so the timing of that makes me think there could be some episode nine significance to that, right? I mean, that's right. a pretty pivotal yeah. part to just the Skywalker story coming out within a year of the movie. Yeah. And that's it's the same comic that has that helmet that's imbued with the dark side of the forest with a guy who's able to, like, possess people through that helmet and even, like, actually comes back to life through it. So that's why I think that uh, that ties into my theory again with uh, Vader's helmet being imbued with Palpatine and being the yeah. one who's like actually talking to Kylo. Yeah, I think I think there is going to be, I, I think I think there is going to be some tying with that. I mean, I think Palpatine's somehow responsible for Ray. I don't know how. I don't know how it's going to work out. I just. Yeah, I think I think she's either uh, like I said, like a if if he was responsible for the creation of Anakin, like maybe he straight up did that again, or possibly he 
took Anakin's DNA, manipulated it, and Ray was and like tried to duplicate Anakin, or maybe even, you know, capitalize on that, like make that even us even stronger. And uh, that's where we get Ray. Maybe there were failed attempts. Maybe there were several of her, and that's why there's so many of Ray in the mirror when she wants to see where she came from. She came from herself and a lot of her. Yeah. That, I don't know, man. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see. I'm now I'm really excited. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm I'm excited to see what happens, but I'm just happy that Palpatine's gonna be there. Yeah. So so Brian has written in and says uh, he's he was listening to episode two, and he said we're currently talking about the actor Palp- playing Palpatine, saying he died at the end of Return, and just kind of chuckling at everybody. Um, he says, "What if Palpatine, as we knew him, died, but he evolved into a new, more powerful being?" He says he can't wait for the new movie. Like, that's that's a possibility. Like we talked about that like ethereal blue, like explosion at the Death Star. Like all that stuff that comes rushing out of that tube. Yeah, I mean, we've also talked about the possibility that he was like a, some sort of Snoke puppet master. I mean, oh yeah, I think that he's been he's been in control. I, the whole plan that he put forth, the contingency plan. And I can't stress, like, the the books, uh, Empire's End, read those books, Aftermath, Empire's End, Life Debt. Um, it really goes into Palpatine had this whole plan laid out. A big part of that was Jakku. A big part of that was going into the unknown regions. And I really think that he had a move. He had an ace in the pocket, you know, the ace in the hole that he's, he's got a way to come back and he's probably just biding his time until say the Republic is crippled again. The re, you know, the new Republic is crippled. Yeah. He is the master chess player. He knows when to, when to slide on in. Well, we know he's involved. We know it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I hope uh, JJ gives some fan service to those who just want to see, Callbacks to a whole bunch of prequel characters too. That'd be sweet. <laughs> see, right. I want to see Watto. You want to see Watto? Yeah. Hey Casey, Sean, and Josh, this is ATAT Arden here. I got a question for you about Ray and her backstory, her origin story of her family. Do you guys think we'll actually get more of an explanation on that background? Will it be part of the greater story and maybe part of the title of the ninth episode here? Or will we just be left in mystery again? And uh, either way, yes or no, I'm wondering if you guys can offer up your opinion of what that backstory is. Nope, I don't think so. No, uh, we haven't got anything about Ray's backstory. <laughs> haven't talked about that at all yet. Do we think that... Uh, do you think that it has something to do with the title, Rise of Skywalker? I feel like it's just going to be a super ambiguous title. I mean... I, I, I think then we'll look back at it and we'll be like, yeah, there could have been multiple interpretations to the title. Yeah. I mean, The Force Awakens, if somebody asks you, why is episode seven called The Force Awakens? You would say, what? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. What does The Last Jedi even mean? Okay. So, the last, I, I would say The Last Jedi is a little bit easier. Like, she's going to see and seeking out The Last Jedi. He's saying he's going to be the last Jedi, that he's done with the Jedi. He's going to burn the place down. He's going to burn down the knowledge. He's done with it. 
And then he stands not as the last Jedi, but at the end of it, Ray is at that point the last Jedi, but it's a proclamation. I'm, she's not. He's not going to be the last Jedi. He says that he's not going to be the last Jedi. Could Ray be the last Jedi? Like he never says that. So it, Ray it, could a, then embody the last Jedi at that point. Yeah, it's not super specific. I, I mean, I think. So I know people have talked about well, maybe the new Jedi will be called the Skywalkers, and then you have the last Jedi with the rise of Skywalkers, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I think ultimately, I mean, the trilogy is going to end. Um, you know, the rebellion or, you know, our heroes being successful. Resistance. Yeah, the, well, resi- okay. the resistance being successful. So I think it's going to somehow tie into the success of Skywalker. In- we talked, what, last last week or two weeks ago about the uh, the Polish translation of the the Rise of Skywalker came out. Right. And it, it literally means, like, um, the revival of the Skywalker. And if you look up revival... In that context, it, it, it means to bring something back to life. So that theory could be like, Ray's not dead. She's not, yeah. even if she's, I mean, or she could die possibly, and then she could come back to life. But if you look at, okay, so let's look at uh, Anakin. Anakin was a virgin birth. I say virgin birth, what comes to mind? Uh, Jesus. Jesus. All <laughs> right. right. So Anakin is basically, so it's kind of like Jesus is supposed to be half God, half man, but he's fully God, fully man. Like I talked about earlier, maybe that's why he was manipulated or created, or maybe the force did it itself. But still, what happened to Jesus? He died. And then what? Came back. Came back. So maybe we're seeing. They're just going to go full biblical and just make this. Well, I don't. I mean, Star Wars has it's drawn a lot from Christianity. It's also like a lot of the Jedi stuff is very Buddhist, it's very Eastern. Um, so, but I do think that I mean, when you make Anakin Sky a Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker, a straight up like savior, like mirror image of a virgin birth, it's not far. And then all we know about Episode Nine is it's called the Rise of Skywalker. And it means resurrection. Anakin just fully just gets resurrected and comes back. What if it's not? I mean, what if it's Luke? What if Luke fully gets resurrected and comes back? Because Anakin is kind of like he messed up. Maybe he doesn't get to come back, but Luke stayed on the straight and narrow path as much as possible. You know, he's so when we saw Luke just kind of disappear, he's not really gone because nothing is ever really gone, right? No, no one's ever really gone. Yeah, no one's ever really gone. And Anakin didn't do that. Anakin didn't disappear. Anakin died. He didn't give himself up. So his body, there was a corpse to burn for Anakin. But for Obi-Wan, for Yoda, for Luke, like, they gave themselves up. So what if they could bring themselves back? What if Yoda's already somewhat done that? What odds do you give to someone being resurrected? Like, just straight up physically resurrected. Not, I not mean, a voice, not a ghost. Going by going by that title and the interpretation from the Polish that it straight up means the revival. I'm going to give it seventy five percent, and I'm going to. Who do you think it is? Who do you think I'm going to say it's Luke? I'm going to say it's. I'm going to say Luke. And if it's and maybe that could tie in with like your guys' theory earlier. Luke comes. What did Jesus do? Jesus came back. 
He walked around for 40 days. He was seen by people. And then eventually, like, he he built his church in that time. Like, he established the church then, and then he ascended. What if he? What if Luke does the same thing? Like you guys said earlier, what if he comes back? He has a part to play. There's like this council of all these, all these Jedi that are you know Qui Gon, Obi Wan, Yoda, even Anakin, and then they establish the new Jedi or even the Skywalkers, and then he goes. He goes back. He ascends. I would be an awful lot like what happened in the Bible. I mean, that would be like literally what happened. It <laughs> would be very, very close. I mean, it's literally, well, yeah. I mean, it's literally what happened was there was a virgin birth. But That's true. If you had told me that that was going to happen like prior to episode one coming out, I would be like, yeah, that mirrors the Bible pretty close. So uh, I doubt it. Doubt I, it. But, and I, I think that Ray is a huge part to play in this. I think that she is one way or another going to be a Skywalker. Oh yeah. By the end of this, either she's just going to adopt the name Skywalker. She will I, be the leader of the Skywalker order. I will be very disappointed if it's what, you know, was revealed in the last Jedi where her parents were nobodies. There's no backstory to it. She's just completely some random. I'll be, I'll be surprised and disappointed. I think she can be a random nobody and still be special. I know she can. A la Anakin. Yeah, Anakin was the the son of a slave, still special. Right, right. No, I mean, I'm talking about like not special as in there is no kind of Anakin. There were some pretty special circumstances going on. Right, uh, virgin <laughs> right. birth. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, if it's just like she's there's, I mean, you can make the debate that oh, well, she can still be an awesome character without having some like supernatural or crazy background, but. I think it makes it more interesting. Yeah, for people that want to come out cool. and say like, "Oh, it makes it, it uh, it's so new age and it's so cool that uh, we're saying you can be a Jedi and you don't have to be a Skywalker to be a Jedi." This is not new age and this is not th- this is not new by any means. There was an entire Jedi order. Yeah, the, in episode the whole... one that were not Skywalkers, that were just random people that were picked up. Yeah, Obi Wan I mean... Kenobi was from the planet Stujan. It's just some random yeah. baby. Yeah, you could have had, you know, in Game of Thrones, you could have just some had some villager become, you know, sitting on the throne at the end. I mean, you could, yeah, I get it. You can make random people can ascend, but it's not as exciting as the story. If there's not some cool background to it. As pissed as people are right now about Game of Thrones, yeah, if they would have put some random villager, <laughs> you, you girl, you're special because you're random. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason why a lot of this is exciting is because there's, like, cool backstories to it, right? Right, and and much to uh, DeHart's point, and, I like, the point that we were talking about, like, I think that we're narrowing in the focus, and I think that uh, in this narrowed focus, and now that we have labeled it the Skywalker saga, that it is, it would be strange for her not to somehow be a Skywalker. Right. Team Skywalker. Great. I agree. We're with you, Johnny Grasso. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, we are the Talking Sith Podcast, and you can find us across social media at Talking Sith Pod. Uh, shoot us a, a Facebook message. Shoot us shoot us a, a comment on Instagram. Send us an email at TalkingSithPod at gmail.com. Uh, let us know your questions, uh, your speculations. Let us know how much you agree with us or disagree with us. 
Uh, we're open to all sorts of interpretations, all sorts of theories. Yeah, this is what we do without talking about Star Wars. So if you want to give us ideas and what to talk about, we're all open to it. May that dark side be with you. May the force be with you. Always. <sighs> Good! <laughs> Everything expressed in the podcast is the intellectual property of Talking Sith. We are not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm in any way. Star Wars is their property. We just like to talk about it.